Bill finally gave the Ringers Philly Crew a podcast. I'm Ben Solak. And I'm Shield Kapadia. That's right. Just a couple of Philly guys with a new space to fire off some Eagles takes, get caught up in the Sixers chaos and more. We'll be coming to you twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, plus bonus episodes whenever we get breaking news or Philly drama. Join the fun and follow the Ringers Philly special now on Spotify. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Courtside, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Shredder, Kevin Verno! O'Shredder, that came from uh, real deep in the, in the archives there. When do we get another <laughs> Kevin O'Connor shredding the axe for Twitter and Instagram? I want a Kevin O'Connor Guitar Hero video. Okay, I'll uh for that, Chris. Since you since you said so, I'll work on something for by the end of the year for like a Christmas present for you, only you, for me. People yes. need to send Kevin requests what song we want to hear <laughs> so that you can play your guitar again. That's where Kevin O'Shredder <laughs> came from. We have had a lot of basketball games that have taken place over the course of the last couple of days, and with that. Everybody has done overreactions to the beginning of the season. We're going to do more of a first impressions uh, regarding these teams and what we have seen thus far. We've got 10 of them. We'll probably end up giving a lot more first impressions than just 10, but we'll kind of go with 10. Number one, Milwaukee is obviously still Milwaukee, but Philly, we saw them last night. And they've lost to possibly the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. Kevin, to me, it feels like bad vibes. Mm. Now, that's possibly an overreaction, but I feel like more of a first impression simply because, I don't know if you read, but last night, Joel Embiid declined to talk to reporters in the locker room. And it's game two. It's game two. After two games of moping around, complaining, whining. Yeah, and you had said as you were watching the game, one of your observations on Twitter was, this doesn't feel right with Embiid. Like, this is like the revenge season. This is the revenge NBA, you know, NBA MVP season. 
And instead, there's many times where he looks lifeless or nonchalant about what is taking place. And these have been rather rather highly competitive games for portions of them that in the end have both ended with Philly losses. But I know our boss is the body language doctor. I don't think you need to have a, a PhD in it to watch so far and be like, well, what's wrong with him? Like, well, what's, what's, wrong, what's wrong with this team? And, and isn't it weird because Harden looks like James Harden? I, I mean, like, this, this is what you wanted. You get what you hope for out of Harden, and you get what you hope for out of a, a P.J. Tucker and some of the other new guys in this team. And then the guy who almost won MVP looks nothing like the guy we saw last year. Granted, he didn't play a lot in preseason, so maybe he's a little bit out of shape, getting his win back, getting back into basketball shape, and by game 20, this is all just a distant memory. Maybe that's what's going to happen. But I don't think it's just being out of shape, Chris. It seems like something is bothering him. He's been moping around the floor way more than he typically does, especially given the fact these are two big games. Like you said, maybe the two best teams in the East and the fact that you're getting what you hope for out of James Harden. And he's shooting from mid-range more than he ever has before, too. He's integrating some new stuff into his game in that sense. So with Embiid, I just don't know what's up. I really don't know. But something has to be up for him to walk out and not talk to the media after the game, too. I saw Bill say that you know, he doesn't want to be on the 2016 Rockets. See, 2018 okay. Rockets. I asked him about that. And I forget if this quote made the story about Daryl Morey earlier in the week, but he said, I asked him, when James was in Houston, what did you think about their style of offense? And he, without missing a beat, came out right away and said, well, that's the way I want us to play. And I think I used the quote where he said, I'm always doubled and triple teamed in the post. If I'm, if I'm passing the ball, I want my teammates to be unafraid and ready to shoot right off the catch. We need to play like those Houston teams that I liked watching them. I liked the way they play. So, I, you know, I thought maybe he'd say otherwise, but that's what he said to me. And he was very honest. He bashed Brian Colangelo. He said a lot of open, honest things. I don't think he was, you know, being phony with that statement when he was clearly honest with everything else. So, well, I think there's a difference between know. what you think you want and then the when it plays out, what you actually want. I think Joel Embiid likes being the man. And so maybe now you feel like his spotlight's being stolen from James Harden, who's awesome through two games. Yeah, that this is a yeah that this is set up for Harden's success, and that this is not a team that plays together necessarily and bounces the ball around. That this is a team that is a Harden-centric basketball team, at least thus far. It is a Harden-centric basketball team, so of course he's going to have big numbers. He's still good enough to put up the numbers, but, you know, it was Harden and a bunch of role players when it was going on in Houston. There was no, like, star next to him necessarily that felt like they weren't getting theirs. And then when there was, it didn't work out very well. It didn't work out very well with Westbrook. It worked out okay with Paul. But frankly, everybody thought Chris Paul had really lost a step and was done and that things couldn't be Chris Paul-centric anymore. And we know that that ended up having to break up. And so now you see another 
elite level player in the league. That's one of the things that went through my mind, that it's not, you know, I mean, everybody's got an ego. And I'm sure that Joel Embiid loved being king of Philadelphia basketball. He still is. Right. He still is. I mean, that, that, that's where I... But he's not when one, when one guy takes 525 dribbles and the rest of the team takes 400. I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers through two games for touches for Joel Embiid. Last season, he averaged 76 touches per game. That's down to 68. It's not a dramatic difference with his own usage, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... He's not dribbling the ball as much, like you said, because Harden is dominating the ball. Yeah. There's a lot of standing around. A lot of standing around for everybody. A lot of one-pass possessions. Yeah. There and is more of that. It's not that fun. If you're a role player, then you just play your role, getting a lot of open shots with James Harden and everything else. When you're not a role player, I think it has proven to be difficult on the other guy. And so we'll see. Maybe they'll end up end up with great chemistry. Maybe they'll end up uh, playing well together. But this was what Daryl Morey wanted. He wanted to get James Harden there. And is it going to work in unison being as devastating as it can be? The thing is, though, is the offense hasn't been the issue, though. It's been their defense. That's been the problem. Mm-hmm. Through two games, especially the first game. Well, I mean, how can Boston. you say the offense in the issue? They scored 88 points. Yeah, last I night. know, I know. But what? I guess, you know, first game, first game, it was about the defense. Last night, obviously, it was a 90 to 88 game. But the yeah. first game, the defense was more the issue. Last night, sure, the offense was more the problem. Joe LB goes six for 21, forcing a ton of shots, sloppy turnovers. Nobody was really good offensively last night aside from James Harden. Um, so, yes, last night the offense was the problem, not the defense. But with Embiid, like, for him, man, like, you talked about this being the number one defense in the league. You, t- you were talking about having the number one pick and roll last year with him and Harden. It just doesn't feel like the Sixers right now are anywhere close to what they can be at some point during the season. So I'm going to give this time. Okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't overreact here. I think the numbers over the course of last year after Harden was acquired mid-year at the trade deadline indicate the upside of their offense. And then defensively, Daryl Morey inevitably is going to make some type of move to shore up any types of holes that they have by the deadline in February. So I'm not overreacting here. Let's see if MB gets in shape. But like you said, the, the body language stuff, the yeah. moping, the complaining, that that's where I do get a little bit concerned. And maybe there's some forcing it with some of the sloppy decisions out there on the floor. Like, he's taken some rough shots, been loose with the ball. That's where I wonder, like, where is he? his focus mentally? You know, he just doesn't feel like he's locked in. So that I'm sl- slightly concerned about. But roster-wise, system-wise, other than getting an uptick of touches for Tyrese Maxey, get him a little bit more pick-and-roll, I want to see Harden still more off ball, a more maxi on ball. Other than that, I'm not. I think it's just so stark because you juxtapose it versus the team that they played. And the way that team, you watch them communicating with each other on offense and defense and in huddles and the way they interact, like that, that culture that they have. And then on the other side, it feels like five guys walking in separate directions, back to a huddle, and Doc trying to get him on the same page. I don't know. It just, 
It's just bad vibes. It's just bad vibes. Do you think Doc could be in the hot seat? For sure. He'll be the, I mean, look, if it's not going well, he'll be the first one to fall on the sword. You don't get rid of players first. You get rid of a coach first, and you try to fix it that way. It's the way it goes. I just don't like, you know, a guy who's been the voice or a voice for the team being so frustrated that he's not even talking to media after the second game of the season. That's, that's wild. That's wild. You know, that's like we're struggling in game 30 stuff. Yeah. Not game two. I mean, that was a rough loss. To lose to Milwaukee without two of their better players. That's right. I mean, they got Javon Carter and Grayson Allen starting. No Pat Connaughton. No Chris Middleton. And Drew Holiday was terrible, too. Two of 15. And he still lose that game. Oof. I mean, Wes Matthews hitting the dagger. Yeah. After Tobias Harris helped inside when Embiid was in good position, leaving an open shooter when you're up too late in the game, just an absolutely horrific decision by Tobias Harris. But that speaks to, like, Tobias, what he can provide offensively, he, his role does not necessitate him making nearly $40 million, and he doesn't make up for it on defense with some of those piss-poor off-ball rotations. Like, that was a bad mistake by him late in that game. And that's where I wonder, where does Maury look for changes in this roster? And it, to me, it's got to be at that Harris spot with that salary. Speaking of teams that look lifeless and have bad lo- body language, the Los Angeles Lakers, first impression, so this is number two, Rob Polinka's contract extension is the most outrageous move of the offseason. You watch them and you go, what, what were you thinking? Like, what were you thinking putting this team together? What were you thinking? Because this is a mess. Now, on the flip side, the Clippers, fantastic. They just, we talked about their depth. They just bring good player after good player after good player off. Just wings on wings on wings. And to see it uh, play out, a very good wall first impression, very good Kawhi. First impression Off in his the bench. Yeah. His butt doesn't hurt, Chris. Yeah, no, it doesn't in his limited minutes. But on the other side, that Lakers thing, holy mackerel, Kevin. What a mess. What a mess. I mean, immediately, what a mess. And I know you tweeted out their upcoming schedule, and it's pretty bleak. Yeah, you want to hear that upcoming schedule? And the reason why I, I tweeted out the first 16 games because. Woj reported this week that he would not expect a Lakers trade involving Russell Westbrook until after Thanksgiving, which is November 24th in the United States. So the first 16 games, Portland, Denver, Minnesota, Denver, New Orleans, Utah, Cleveland, Utah, Clippers, Sacramento, Brooklyn, Detroit, San Antonio, Phoenix. I see like five or six wins. Wow. Seven at most. At most for the Lakers in that group of 16 games. What would you say, Chris? Five, six? That feels realistic to me. A lot of people said like four to six was the most popular response from people who 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 responded to that tweet. I mean, didn't you... Okay, there's one side of me that says they played the Warriors and they played the Clippers. Yes, two of how the about, best teams in the basketball. How about we let this play out a little bit? Yeah. But 
again, it's a vibes thing and you're watching it and you're watching LeBron James after game one basically criticize the roster that has been put together. And then in game two, ADs can't move because he had that hard fall. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's scary considering his injury history. That's He's going to be feeling that even more today, I'm sure. And Westbrook is just abominable. Oh, for 11. Last night. But oh, I'm, for let, 11. Let me just say this. This is one of the things that, and this is why I wanted to put this focus on Palenka. The trade was stupid when it first happened, and we all said it was stupid. Anybody that thought LeBron James and Russell Westbrook was a good fit and doesn't understand how to build a team when you've got LeBron James as your centerpiece is foolishness at best. Then they went the whole offseason. It didn't work last year. It, didn't ever, it never looked good. You knew it was going to be a problem. It was a problem in the offseason. Westbrook fired his agent, and obviously they needed to figure something out with this. And to go into the season and us watch it and it be miserable and then everybody, like, every night lining up and criticizing this, and Russ is admittedly awful, awful. But it's like, I don't know, Kevin. If I've got a, if I got a toddler running around with a knife, <laughs> you would say, oh, my God, that's insane. I can't believe that's happening. And then, or you could say, um, how about you never let the toddler get a knife in the first place? Or you could take it away. One or the other. But what's done is done. The toddler's got the knife. Now, all right, take it away from you, okay? Instead, this is like them saying, hey, maybe it's a... You know, maybe it's okay. Maybe a toddler can run with a knife. It's like, bro, there's a toddler running with a knife. What are you doing? You know the way this happens. So at what point do I start to criticize the people that are allowing it to happen? At what point are you allowed to say, what are you letting a toddler run around with a knife for? What's wrong with you? And... They come out in the season, they say, oh, we're going to make the LeBron James, Russell Westbrook thing work again. It's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. We're going to see if the toddler could run with a knife. I want to ask you this, though, Chris. Could you have seen Russ be this bad this soon? Considering the level of discontent that was all offseason leading into this, maybe not. This bad, yeah. But I mean, but but the fit was still clearly was, not yeah. a good fit. Yeah, they were they weren't even. And you, a, and you and you felt that way even as a Russ guy. You've always liked Russ, and I've always been the the anti Russ guy. These guys didn't even talk to each other when they were in summer league. Didn't even yeah. speak. Well, okay, so like I said something to Bill on the pod, like the conspiracy thought. Like, does he want this roster to be so bad? I don't necessarily believe that because he wants to move on from LeBron. LeBron pushed for Russell Westbrook. Maybe there's some internal feelings about you can't win with him making those decisions, pushing for decisions, because they want they didn't want to get Russ first. They wanted the buddy healed side of things. And maybe that would have been the wrong decision, too. The real thought that I have here, Chris, is that they're going down the Maury Simmons path here. 
that they're just stringing this out as long as they possibly can because they're hoping somebody better becomes available. They're hoping a, a Dame or a Beal. And not that they can necessarily afford that guy. They only have two future first-round draft picks. But I think the Lakers at this point, to win with LeBron and AD, they're hoping for somebody to demand a trade, even if it's specifically to Los Angeles. So then they could use the Russell Westbrook salary with those highly valuable two future firsts and however many second round picks it takes to get something better than Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Because Miles Turner, as good as he is, and Buddy Heald, as good of a shooter as he is, those two guys aren't solving all their problems. They just aren't. So maybe they're looking for something else. And look, all the attention in the world goes on Russ and this critical mistake, for sure. Russ or Russ are in any good to be around LeBron either. And the other thing is, I know it is never acceptable to criticize LeBron James because LeBron James is going to get numbers no matter what game he plays in. But have a little interest in being the leader and holding everybody accountable. I mean, that's what we want from our best players is to hold guys, whatever you're dealt, whatever hand you are dealt, those are the guys you're going to war with. So you want him to tell Russell Westbrook, stop shooting. I think everybody, like, you're that guy. You're that guy for that team. Everybody. There was a clip last night of Russ being asked about his jumper and Juan Toscano-Anderson. You know, it was like, you know, do you get demotivated when everybody's missing shots. And Juan Toscano-Anderson comes over and he's like, he doesn't stop encouraging me to shoot and I've missed a bunch. I'm like, maybe that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> like somebody, it's like everybody's like, oh, what a great teammate that Scott O'Anderson is. Well, maybe some honesty would be better. Yep. Like Russell Westbrook should not be taking pull up jumpers with 17 seconds on the shot clock before getting it to any offensive set. That's horrible offense. It so is, but, but I think it nice. underscores, I, it does underscore, Kevin. It's one shot in that game. It is well, horrible. I mean, he missed more than one shot. He missed no, 11. no, no. He missed all of them. Yeah. But I mean, that <laughs> particular shot, that's one shot. That's one horrible play within the entire game. They got a lot bigger problems than that one possession. You know what oh, I'm saying? Course, like the whole course. thing is a mess. Um, and we will see probably sooner and later there become a solution to that. But that how you build that roster when you've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis is just bananas to me. Bananas. Tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Plus, FanDuel is the only sportsbook that's giving all customers three months, three months of NBA League Pass when they make a five-buck bet on the NBA. Then you can watch all of the action as you bet on everything from the money line, the point spreads, the totals. You can bet on virtually anything on the FanDuel Sportsbook like awards, point scorers, rebound leaders, points leaders, and so much more. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in free bets plus three months of NBA League Pass with promo code MISMATCH. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 
21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Tennessee, call redline 1-800-889-9789. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800 Gambler. Next one, number three, a game that I went to in person the other night, and one of my takeaways was the Knicks, they're going to reap major benefits from this Jalen Brunson acquisition. They ended up losing the game. They lost the game in overtime, but he is what we thought he was in terms of just insanely solid and They'll have some figuring out to do as the season goes on, but a couple of things that stood out to me, they're a big team for sure. He gets to all their spots. He gets to all his spots. He gets other guys good shots. And this is something that I am unhappy to report. It's not a report. It's an opinion. <laughs> Reporting an opinion. You and I have both been very high on RJ. He looked out of shape to me, Kev. Out of shape. Yeah, he looked out of shape. He looked mm-hmm. soft to me. He was three of eighteen in the game. Yeah, I mean, but it, but it wasn't it wasn't just the three of eighteen. I can I can deal with you not, you know, making shots or not playing very well. I just did not think that you see these guys, and one of the things that comes to pass as a new season begins. As you can see, you can tell which guys have really dedicated themselves over the summer. There's always those guys that's like, oh, okay, I got something to prove. I'm in the best shape of my life. Whatever. I I don't know. And maybe that's just maybe that's just me. I'm telling you, that was my opinion watching it, where I was like, man, like, did you just get a hundred million dollars and take the last month off or something? I just did not think the great players in the league put in that work and they are in the requisite shape to be every night guys that can really go big. And I have very high hopes for RJ. He is an incredibly talented guy. My impression from watching that was he just he's never been an explosive guy, but I don't know. People have to see him. Watch him. People see him uh, in person. People watch him on television when they do the up-close shots and just watch the way he's moving. That, to me, was not a guy that worked on his body in the offseason. And I think it went the other way on him. And I got I got a little worried. As someone who's got high hopes for him. And you could whip back into shape rather fast. I'm just saying I didn't see that coming in and I was I was hoping to see a guy that came in ready to be the man for the New York Knicks in this year after he got that money. He looked like a guy that thought he was going to be playing in Utah with nobody watching. <laughs> to me. But I will say mega positive on Brunson, which is why it's a good thing they got Brunson to for alleviate sure. pressure off you know, an R.J. Barrett from having to facilitate. You get Brunson with nine assists, zero turnovers, great yep. for others. I thought that 
that shot they hit with what five seconds left in the game, the handoff to Brunson attacks the paint, whips the pass to Reddish in the corner. I mean, those right on the money, man. That's the way Brunson's passes were the entire night, and they they always will be for this Knicks team, just creating quality looks even in difficult situations for his teammates. He's so steady as a player. And by the way, Cam Reddish, that's one of my impressions. Cam Reddish looked a hell of a lot like the guy we dreamed of in college. (laughs) I never in a billion years did I think I was going to walk out of an arena and think about Cam Reddish instead of R.J. Barrett regarding the former Duke teammates. Yeah, Cam Reddish looks really good. We also went to three to take him into overtime. Yeah, Huge that's shot. the one. T- that's the one I'm talking about. At the end yeah. of the game, with five seconds left, that one in the left corner. Huge shot. Yeah, he was good. Um, and on the other side, I mean, you saw Memphis starting John Conchar. You saw them starting Santi Aldama. Aldama. Yeah. Ooh, Chris, I, we talked about him in preseason. Let me tell you that what this is, though, Kevin. And me and my my producer said this to me, who you know, John Roser. We're sitting there watching the game. And he said, do you know what this is like? And it stands to reason, considering Taylor Jenkins came from there. He said, this is exactly like the old Spurs were in the sense that we would go to the game and we would go, there's no Ginobili. We would say, there's no Danny Green tonight. Tim Duncan sitting out, whatever. And then we would go to the game and you'd, be go, you'd go, who the hell is Gary Neal? Or who who is Bryn Forbes and why is he killing us? Or who's Davis Bertans or, you know, Kawhi's out? Who is Jonathan Simmons? And it's just, you've got this system, you've got these guys, you plug and play, and you're able to win no matter who is playing. And when you can start John Conchar and Santi Aldama at small forward and power forward, and both of them get double-doubles, it really is very reminiscent of those old Spurs teams. For anybody that's a big NBA fan, and especially that went to games, we always, you always had that happen where their guys would be out, you'd be like, oh, good, no Ginobili. And it just didn't matter because then Bryn Forbes had 28 for him. And it's like, what is going on? Can I ask you an extremely premature question that probably will make you mad? Does Aldama, who played 39 minutes, Jaron Jackson has played 39 minutes only twice in his career. Yeah. Does Aldama at all make Jaron Jackson Jr. even a little bit expendable as a potential high-value <laughs> young trade asset? <laughs> yeah, 23 is, years old. Does dude. He, let's, let's talk about it. Jaron Jackson Jr. should have won Defensive Player of the Year last okay, year. Okay, all right. We'll factor that into the equation here. If you're talking about building this roster out and making it the best team possible, does he at all? become a little bit more expendable. You know what this is? <laughs> Even a little. Just give me a little, Chris. I'm not asking you to no. trade you trade him tomorrow. I'm, hey, <laughs> I've been through this over the course of the last three months. It's no, <laughs> I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Yeah. That, you are doing the eh, Cooper Rush, you know. He's I don't winning think I'm doing game. that. Yes, you are. I don't think yes, I am. Yes, you San- are. Santy's a good player. Yo, I'll stop Santy- Santy's a good basketball player. He's, he's fine. He's fine. How how do you assess his defense, Santy? He's fine. He yeah, holds he's not, up. He's not, not Jared Jackson. Of course he's not. No. He's not Jared Jackson Jr. No. 
you're Cooper rushing me. Ridiculous. <laughs> I've already lived like this. Number four. All right, here's your moment. The Pelicans are devastating. Oh, thank you. This feels so good. I don't care who you're playing against. I don't. 72 points in the second half is unbelievable for an opening night. Like, there's supposed to be some kinks to work out. And I know the Nets suck and they're a mess themselves. That being said, 72 is an enormous number to get to in a second half. Theoretically, should be a little bit harder. And the game should get a little bit more serious as it goes on. And you might see 71 in a first half. And then the team scores 51 in the second half. And that's how they got to their 123. They just beat their ass even worse in the second half. And you've got Zion looked awesome. Oh, he looks so good. With space, too. They they ran that lineup with the Trey Murphy, Larry Nance front yep. court, and just the amount of space Zion has just to drive into the paint. He had this one drive against Ben Simmons where he elbowed him on the drive and created an easy layup opportunity with the left hand just uh yeah he looks good yeah so and good. clearly you've got ingram ingram oh my god ingram's mid-range chris isn't that beautiful to watch it is but you've hmm. got like you mentioned like trey murphy or somebody oh trey murphy's so good yeah i know so does that make ingram expendable <laughs> <laughs> let's go uh, this guy thinks Two he's can funny. play this game. Two can play this game. Does Bailey yeah, well, Zappi make well, Mac Jones one of, expendable? One of those guys, yeah. Well, at least Jaron Jackson, like he has a hard time cracking thirty minutes. <laughs> hey, what about what, uh, Bailey Zappi? Are we doing him? Are we getting rid of Mac? Are we getting rid of Mac? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't wait till the Jaron Jackson Jr. trade so, rumors in, in, oh, in January. Oh, I uh, told, no. I told you it was premature. Hey, Chris. You know why they're not going to happen? Because Mark Berman got fired. Because he's oh. the only guy that's in America that's traded every Grizzly over the course of the last 10 years. <laughs> he's gone. He's not covering the Knicks anymore. Boy, you love that guy. Whoever's, whoever's going to take his place. Anyways. Well, with the Pelicans, though, I mean, I feel like well, it's just one game. But we talked about in the preseason, well, how do you distribute touches? It, there's a clear hierarchy here. It's Zion and Ingram and then CJ and then everybody else. Yeah. It, it's clear as day with how I was happy to see Zion be, Zion be the, the field goal attempt guy. Yeah. They know what they've got. I mean, Ingram's getting a lot of touches, too, and facilitating as well. That guy can playmake. He could ever since Duke, and that's a skill he's only gotten better at. I'm telling you, dude, I know I know. you think I might be nuts. People think I'm crazy. The Pelicans can win the NBA Finals. But this roster, maybe they're a move away. But they have 15 first-round draft picks where they can enhance this team if necessary. We just don't see that the in the history of the NBA. Of course. I am a believer in taking your scars. I'm a believer in doing it together that when you get in those very tough games, when it comes playoff time, um, there will be defensive questions. Oh, for sure. They've got. There will be. Yes. There will be defensive questions. And you got to look, even the Heatles, when you throw it together, and that's arguably the greatest player. It's certainly not even arguably the greatest player of this generation. With his with two all star caliber running mates, yeah, take some 
You got to take some lumps first. Sure. No matter. A hundred percent, Chris. Very rare. One hundred percent. So when you're going from a team that won 36 games to saying they can win the NBA finals, calm down. Calm down. No. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, think it's outrageous. Yeah, calm down. I don't think it's outrageous. They can go out and get anybody they want. Look, and I don't want to I hear mean, like, this. Why, why should that not be factored into the equation? Why? Well, who's to say they won't trade but for again, a, a great player not, that hasn't taken those stars? It's about the minutes played together and going through you. it together and going through the playoffs together. Which I'm not saying they're going to win it. I'm not saying they're the favorite. I'm not coming out here with some hot take. I'm saying they can win the NBA Finals, that they God are equipped with, with a great roster as is and all those draft picks. You calm down, and don't you dare start tweeting about this when they drop 180 on the Hornets tonight. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> the Hornets game doesn't count. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills with this, Chris. You are. Uh, honestly, I do feel like that. With, you are. With, I do. There's just, I mean, it would be NBA history. This isn't what happens. Of course it's not usually what happens. There's usually not players who are as young as Zion and as great as Zion. Right. I mean, we're going to forget LeBron James. I I never said that there hasn't been. I'm saying there usually isn't. I mean, and with any of them, even the greatest ones, Giannis, take some time. It takes time for all these guys. Jokic had one big yet. Um, That's the only thing. It's just the time thing. And the playing together, and but they are—they're devastating. I just think—I just think when you would you imagine them having an eight-man playoff rotation with a possibly upgraded roster, like like on paper, you're right. They haven't. They in reality, they haven't taken their lumps. But on paper, their roster could stack up with anybody in the entire league. Fair enough. Number five. Paulo Bancaro. Oh, isn't he so nice, Chris? He's as oh, ready-made as it gets. Guys usually aren't that ready this early. And you know, I remember a couple months ago I said he's going to win Rookie of the Year. He's going to average over 20 points a game. This guy is ready to be. He was better than I could have even expected. Better. Didn't he look like a 10-year vet out there? Oh, my God. <laughs> It's insane. And I think people that are seeing him for the first time realize what I was talking about when I met the kid over the summer. Just size-wise, you can't believe he's moving like that at that size. Even on that poster dunk, oh. when you see him standing Ugh. next to the guy, he looks like, it's like what Giannis looks like. Really. And it's like, this guy is dribbling and cracking on people, and then you see him standing next to like an average NBA player, and you're like, this guy is enormous. Enormous. I mean, that poster dunk was. Whoa. I mean, that that that'll be a candidate for dunk of the year, and it happened in game one. One. But I, I thought the, the the diversity of how he scored was so impressive too, because he did it with like the handling crossovers, pull up jumpers from eighteen feet, but he also did it with like some hard transition runs. He did it with some timely, smart, intelligent cuts in the half court with the, like, whether it was Wagner or Wendell Carter on the perimeter handling the ball and Bancaro just cuts behind the defense to get a bucket. Like, he, he's a smart, high IQ player, man. Like, it's not, it's not just, it's not just handles. Like, he can do it every way. First impression. Very impressive, man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. First impression. Very, very impressive. Like, he, I mean, we, you know, talked about Benedict Matherin as a rookie of the year. 
candidate. Um, and I think, and I think he will end up top three. Like he's one of my first impressions too. Ben, ben, Benedict Matherman was really good in his debut as well. But you got Apollo, a dream matchup tonight for you. I know there's a bunch of good games going on. There's like Celtics Heat and a lot of those. But I mean, I know you're going to be locked into Spurs Pacers. You know it, Chris. You're going to be ready to watch that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be locked I love right calling in. you to the carpet over things that you say in the past, like you would ever watch that in a million years. Well, I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be games I watch before that, of course. I'm telling you this that they could they could be they'd be playing across the street from me in a park, and I wouldn't walk over there. Spurs Pacers, who cares? But hey, I'll watch the Benedict Mather highlights. I'll go to NBA.com and click on field goal attempted and watch them all. <laughs> he excites me. I'll give Thank him you. that. Thank ne- you. Next one. Six. Utah's got too many solid players, Kevin. Danny's gonna Danny's gonna start getting on the phone like ASAP. Blow it up again. I mean, you watch them and it's like, you know what? I've I, I've always been one of those that says, like, you know, just don't have players that suck or don't have players that suck. Like, oddly, they do have a bunch of guys that I think that would be worthy of trading for if you're like a good team. Like guys that could be pieces on good teams and like actually be in rotations on good teams. Mike Conley, 100%. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, I loved him coming out of the draft. It's still like nothing's proven yet. Jordan Clarkson, yes. <laughs> Alexander Walker, first guy you mentioned off the bench. That's no, funny. no, no. I'm just going through the <laughs> roster. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. just going through the roster. Jordan Clarkson, yes. Colin Sexton, yes. Malik Beasley, yes. Lori Markinen, yes. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, where who knows? Olinick for sure. Maybe Walker Kessler as a backup big. Dude, Walker Kessler looked really good. Hey, in his Jared debut. Vanderbilt for sure. Like they got they got too many guys that can actually like play for somebody, and he's gonna have to tear the thing down because I feel like, and they've got some like winner's mentality type of guys. And so I think that uh, they're actually going to win that win some games until he offloads this stuff. But they do have, a, it, it, you've kind of thrown all these guys together that are not like guys that are going to win a ton of games if you play 82 games out. But until you break them up, they're going to, like win to share and people are going to be pissed that their team lost to the Jets. Just like Nuggets fans had to be the other night. Like what? I thought they were trying to stink. I mean, they're not going to be a good no, team. But I'm saying no. they've got too but many more good players. Sure. They got too many good players to be awful. Yeah, Colin Sexton, you see the bucket he had at the end of the game where he kind of like, you know, rubbed his foot against the court, you know, looking like young bull. You know who they play tonight? Who do they play tonight? Gobert. Oh, they play Gobert tonight, huh? Yes. We get to see the Walker-Kessler versus Rudy Gobert matchup. He Kessler had this finish around the rim against Jokic where he took off from the right side of the rim and with his right hand and then switched to the left underneath the basket. I want to see him do that tonight against Rudy that's Gobert. That, that, I mean, that, 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 that's one of those finishes where you're like, okay, this guy's going to be able to finish around the rim against great rim protectors. That, that, type was, of that dude was college Gobert. 
Oh, he, he was. was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the way he protected the rim, he was. And, and also the way that when they got to the NCAA tournament, Jim Laranega at Miami went five wide and just played his ass straight off the court. Yeah. Well, just like with Rudy, you can't. <laughs> You can't blame Walker Kessler entirely. <laughs> I got to be consistent here. <laughs> All right, next one. Shaden Sharp is the fun one. Wow, Shaden Sharp makes your list. I did not know this was going to happen. He does, and here's why. Every once in a while, we have this happen, where it's like this guy, and many times it can be like an international player, but a guy that we just if you're not in the AAU or the big, you know, preps hoop scene, we never saw this guy. He never played at Kentucky. And now he goes to the NBA and he played what? Like five minutes of summer league and then got hurt and was gone. And so I've always been uh, very intrigued by this, especially when, Kevin, you had him insanely high on your draft list. Fourth. Yeah, you had him a top five guy. And so really, really liked him. And you fast forward, and during the preseason, he had one. The baseline dunk that he had in the preseason was downright freaky. Oh, yeah. Caught it with one hand and spiked it. I'm like, my God. I mean, you have to be such a special athlete to pull that off. And then first impression stuff, you know, Portland looked good in their first night. Dame didn't, but Portland as a whole looked good. And I think probably a surprising outcome with the way that they played against the Kings on opening night. But he's the fun one in the sense of most of these rookies, we've already gotten those first impressions. And with him, we haven't. And just regarding the preseason and then first time on an NBA court, it's like, geez, man, Portland may have, Portland may have really gotten something here because you can see some extraordinary stuff with him even in the limited time. But they're always the most fun, the guys that are – and he's even more brand new than the other rookies because we just haven't seen it. Yeah, Sh- Shaden Sharp looks terrific. Uh, I'm impressed he hit those two really tough three-pointers in that debut against the Kings. And you're right, Portland looked better. Um, You know, Dame, I hope Dame can refine himself. Um, It was bleak. I'm a a little concerned there. Again, early, but we're talking first impressions here. Your guy, De'Aaron Fox, had a horrific end of the game. Too many sloppy turnovers. He had that reckless lob. And then he just drove right into a guy with a minute left in the game. Sloppy. Kings Kings can't lose their home opener with expectations as high as they are to Portland with Dame having the night that he did. That's, that's going to be the hardest loss. thing for Mike Brown to do. I don't want to get into a huge discussion, but it's one of the things I always talk about when I hate that these teams lose on purpose or are critically mismanaged is because of the profound effect it can have on players. I make no excuse for him, okay? Let me be clear. And I do think he could be a winning player. But you're going to walk in your Mike Brown 
And you got to get rid of a lot of habits in order to play winning basketball because those guys have been a bunch of losers. It's what they've been. Yeah, but tanking didn't, or being bad didn't make De'Aaron Fox hit the side of the backboard on a jumper, you know, down the stretch of that game. I'm saying that that's the kind of thing that has been happening for a long time, and now there's an expectation. You've got to learn what is a good shot, what's not a good shot, how to play for the greater good, and how to win basketball games. And so sometimes the plays that you it, – it, I think it's hard to be a loser for a long time. I mean, how many of these guys were there? Not a lot. So, so the main guy! Yeah, the main guy, Fox, sure, but Herder know, wasn't, but Sabonis wasn't, Barnes wasn't, Apollo wasn't, but four out of the five guys in the starting lineup weren't. He's Never the guy with the ball, the and he's been playing losing basketball for a long time. So maybe he's a losing point guard. That's not true. It's not true. I didn't see, I mean, when when I, I was there coming out of college when he emasculated Lonzo Ball at Kentucky. I was there. Don't Don't tell me that kid's a loser. He's I'm not. not saying that he is. I'm just saying maybe. No. You, <laughs> you, you, have, you have your... You, 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 Poking fun of your guy. Look, he's, what, he's, I'll give you another guy. Once upon a time, when I saw young Eric Bledsoe, he had this fire determination. He was a winning basketball player. He don't, was. Don't, don't use Eric Bledsoe as an example. He though. was. And then he went to Phoenix and he just... I don't think you can... There's, a, there's an opportunity cost to losing every damn night season after season after season but i think the kid's a winning player and it's a bad first night for sure i'm still yeah. I'm, go- I'm going down with it I- i'm not overreacting to it no yes, I'm, I'm just saying it was just a disappointing game for the kings that that like opening night you're feeling good you're facing a blazers team that you on paper should beat and that you do need to beat when you're talking about that playing bubble. It's just, it's just disappointing. I feel bad for Kings fans after just because their game. crowd was great. The crowd, crowd was, was awesome. Yeah, no doubt about it. I want to go to a game up there. Have you ever been to a Kings game? I've never been to one. I've, I've never not. been to Sacramento. I'd love to go to one this year. I have an idea. So close. I have no excuse not to this year. Today's episode of the Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com running. New Balance. Run your way. Next one. Killian Hayes blocking Mo Bamba has truly made you think about feelings. What? I know how to feel, Chris. I'm an emotional guy. Were you happy? I'm very for in touch Killian, with my feelings. Or were you sad for Mo? Why can't it be both? I don't feel like it can be both. 
I think it can be both. I feel sad for Mo Bamba that Bull Bull has taken his spot and that he chose to resign with the Orlando Magic. I feel bad. Um, and then for Killian Hayes, he well, hold on now. He got his chance and he got blocked by Killian Hayes. And kill and then Killian, he he does it all, man. Besides score. <laughs> He does it all besides score. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> he does everything at a very high level besides and score. A, and unfortunately, <laughs> like that thing that they hang, it's the thing that keeps score, right? Like the one. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Right. Like the he whole can idea. Every, he can do everything. To put but the score. ball in the basket. And, Defensively, yeah, right. he's a great perimeter defender, great interior defender for a guard. He rebounds for his position. He's a smart playmaker. He doesn't commit careless turnovers. He just can't score. Is it too early for shrunken Ben Simmons comps? Oh, my God. It's way too early for that. At least at least Killian's not afraid to shoot. Dang. Ben, first impression, not a good one, Kev. No, not a good one at all, no. Yikes. Yeah. And if there was ever a team that... How valuable are Joe Harris and Seth Curry to that team right now? They've never needed anything more than some guys that could knock down some shots, some more good players to put in that lineup. They play tonight against the Toronto Raptors. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. I'll be watching that game for sure tonight. Like th- This is a... I mean, it's just game two. I know. It's just game two. But I, I look forward to seeing Ben Simmons defending... Pascal Siakam or Scotty Barnes. And then also, what does his role look like against Toronto? This team that switches up defensive schemes has length. I'm sure they'll be switching a ton of screens, you know, handoff actions between Irving and Simmons or Simmons and Durant or whatever the combination is. I just look forward to seeing how Brooklyn reacts to that on when they're on offense. Um, and especially considering the responsibility Simmons is also going to have to handle when he's on defense. Falling out in 23 minutes in that first game. Ooh. Well, and I'm going to say they got they got problems all the way around. I'm not very impressed with Nash, Kev. And I know I made that prediction, you know, the semi-bowl prediction. But one of the things that is the coach's job is you watch these games and you go, all right. Coach's responsibility is put his players in the best position to win. And a major portion of that is the game plan. What are we trying to get as a team? And what are we trying to take away from the other team? And I see very little direction in terms of what the Nets do. You know, some of these teams, I see, I watch them. And you can tell that's a good scout that they had on that team because they're going to make it very difficult on this guy. They're going to try to take away this. And and maybe it's just because we watch opening night and they just get blistered from everywhere. But my God, like you, you tell me what they were trying to do against Boston. <laughs> what are they trying to what are they trying to get done? That first night. Wait, wait. I'm, you're talking I'm Brooklyn? You mean yeah, yeah, New yeah. Orleans? New Orleans. Yeah. No, no, no. Against New Orleans. What are they trying to accomplish? Well, I mean, it was some of Steve Nash's lineup choices were weird. Like you get the the Edmund Sumner 
lineup in there with him playing the three next to, I think it was Patty Mills or Cam Thomas, and then Kyrie out there. Like, what is what's with these small, weird lineups? Some strange choices by Steve Nash. Like, what is our advantage, and how are we going to try to exploit it? I didn't see any of it, and it might just be that we look up and the Pelicans are devastating. We talked about it earlier. I don't know. They just look aimless to me. I wonder who the, their new coach would be. Like, would it just be going straight to Jock Vaughn, who wasn't great in his past experience as a head coach? Is there another guy off their bench? Would it be someone from the outside that they would hire? You wonder if there's a Marks connection somewhere. Yeah. You know, Darvin Ham got hired by the Lakers, unfortunately for him. I mean, th- and also, this, this thought isn't to excuse Steve Nash. It's not. But how much of this is a failure of like the leadership of the players, of KD, of Kyrie, of Simmons? Those aren't necessarily the best leaders, examples for a team, whether it's vocally or by example on the court. KD's never been a super vocal leader, you know, always. Was this is my team. It's what I yeah. criticized LeBron for earlier. Like, why aren't you getting everybody in a huddle and saying, what the F is going yeah. on? Instead, you're out there chumming it up with LeBron. Draymond Green getting beat by a thousand. I mean, how much of it is that? And then you get like Cam Thomas this summer rolling his eyes when asked about Steve Nash wanting him to be more of a a playmaker and scorer. Like I, I just wonder how much of that is the is the nature and the spirit and the personality of the locker room that just isn't connecting with Steve Nash. Because I still think Steve Nash is a smart enough. He was a genius player. Seemed like a highly respected assistant, you know, when he was helping players, when he was working with the Warriors as a consultant. Players loved him. KD loved him. But like, what is it about the personality of the team that isn't meshing with him? And, and yes, of course, X's and O's, lineups, all that stuff he's failed at, that, 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 considering the expectations for him. But I wonder how much of it is that as well. Just the, the I mix. think it's almost impossible. Hubie Brown... Years ago, when I was uh, covering the Grizzlies, he had gotten hired as a coach. And one of the things, I used to go to every one of his press conferences just because he would turn it into basically a clinic. And I learned a lot of basketball from him. One of the things he talked about was having the best player on your team on your side if you are a coach. And he said, you could look across the league, and there's a real wisdom to this when I look and you see all of the, you know, you go, hey, did that say somebody gets ousted, right? Were were him and the best player in lockstep? Did he have him on his side? So you could say, we didn't have that many, honestly. But like let's even say James Borrego, right? I bet you down to donut, he didn't have Lamelo on his side when it came to this. So the, the most important people in the organization are always the best players. Luka Doncic, Rick Carlisle clearly. They weren't in lockstep. Yeah, they weren't. T- together. And you could just go down one after another after another. And I think it just makes everything so difficult if you are not walking arm in arm with your best player. And we know very well that the best player on their team tried to get, didn't want to walk arm in arm. Yeah, Katie wanted to go. And then Correct. you get Kyrie Irving in his pregame speech asks the fans to show up every night. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which, all right, here you go. Which is worse? Can Which you really worse? win with them? I don't know. Which don't is know. worse? 
Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I'm going to pose you a very difficult question. Kevin. Okay, please. Which is worse? Kyrie Irving grabbing the microphone and imploring the fans to show up every night. <laughs> That's funny. That's really good. Or Patrick Beverly grabbing the microphone and yelling, we're going to be in the playoffs. Oh, it's the Kyrie aspect. I think I disagree. Really? How come? Yeah, because I think I can roll my eyes at Kyrie. Pat Bev, like, <laughs> playoff declaration. It's a freaking Lakers. We're going to make the playoffs? <laughs> it's not like De'Aaron Fox grabbed the microphone. <laughs> like, I'm I'm here. I'm only, really on, funny. I'm only on winning teams. We're going to make the playoffs. Well, I'd hope so. Shit. We got LeBron James and Anthony Davis. What the hell? What are you? <laughs> we're going to make the playoffs. I say that. I, I, so this, this is why we're the mismatch. I vote, I vote the Beverly one is way worse. I would be mortified as a Lakers fan if I heard that. The irony of the Kyrie statement is just so I strong. Know. It's hilarious to me. Like, when I saw that, I was just bursting out laughing. The Beverly thing is funny, too, of course. They're both great. Let, let, let's, can we agree to disagree? They're both fantastic. Yes. Yes. But there's a... Re Look, I think you're discounting the irony in Patrick Beverly saying that about the Oh, Lakers. I know. It's yeah. not Tyrese Halliburton grabbing a microphone and saying, we're going to make the playoffs to Indiana yeah. fans or something. It's a guy wearing a Lakers jersey, a teammate of LeBron and AD. This is crazy. <laughs> We're going to make the playoffs. Thanks. <laughs> Jeez, I'd hope so. I spend $120,000 a year on these seats. <laughs> I hope we'd make the playoffs. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm... Uh, you guys might uh, get my... Uh, you might not get my deposit again. <laughs> Good grief. Uh, last one. Are we going to do this again with DeMar DeRozan? It's night one. They didn't have... Uh, Zach Levine with a, the knee thing already. That's scary. Yeah. And then you have uh, the terrible Lonzo story where you hope that he's able yeah. to uh, still advance his career whenever it is he's able to come back. But this guy is like out of his mind. He had this amazing season last year where people were talking about, geez, MVP and whatever else. I mean... You go back, go look at DeMar DeRozan's draft class. That's the O.J. Mayo, Russell Westbrook. Like, it's that one, right? And DeRozan, like, gets drafted like eighth or something. Do you want me to pull up the draft class? Yeah. What year got, was that? I got you. That was 09. So the top 10. Oh, so he was, was at the beat year with Blake Griffin. Yeah. Blake Griffin, Hashim Tabit, James Harden, Tyreek Evans, Ricky Rubio, Johnny Flynn, Stephen Curry, Jordan Hill. DeMar DeRozan, Brandon Jennings. Well, they've actually had some guys that between Harden and Curry and, I mean, that are peak. Yeah, I think you would say Harden's probably not at peak of powers, but Curry's as good as he's been, probably not at his apex. But this just having this DeMar DeRozan yeah. apex come at this, a, a, this time in age and career is rather unbelievable. Can I scratch my own back for a second? Yeah. This this like this, I think one of my best takes okay. on the in the history of the mismatch was DeMar going to Chicago and me saying that'd be a good signing. 
because of, because of what he turned into in San Antonio. It was. And, like, could I have seen him be this? You know, 28 points per game, you know, amazing efficiency and still playmaking and doing all the stuff that he's done. Maybe, you know, to the level that he performed last year. No, you couldn't have seen him in MVP conversation. But what he turned into his last year in Toronto and then his three years in San Antonio is really a testament to the work that he's put into his game and his adaptability. DeMar DeRozan has evolved and turned into an even greater version of himself. And I think also, we've talked about this last year, with the way defenses are nowadays, with their innovative measures they take to try to take away the rim and take away three-point range, I think that has helped open up the mid a little bit more for DeMar than it did in his prime years, you know, quote-unquote prime years with Toronto. But now, with his own skill development and the way de- the way defenses have changed, DeMar has just been able to reach a whole new level with the results that he's put out there with Chicago. It's it's amazing to see, man. Like, I I love watching him. It's the same way as Chris Paul, you know? And I just think that if you would have said, DeMar DeRozan's your best player uh, on your team in 2022, that the chances that you are the kind of team that's going to go and spoil the heat home opener by a wide margin, clearly be the best player on the floor. Oh, he was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, he was so awesome. Well, I feel like we did this last year where we came on and we're like, what the hell? DeMar Rosen is killing. The buckets, the, like he had Bam Adebayo defending him on the perimeter sometimes, and then like he'd pull up in his face. They'd take another screener, come in. He'd get switched against Struess and get all the way to the bucket. He just scored every which way. You, and you that's not an could. easy team to do that against. No, I mean, he got a lot of good defenders. It they was Butler or Bam. It. it was Butler, Bam out there. Like, it was different guys defending him, and it didn't matter who. He was still getting anywhere he wanted on the floor. And not to mention, he, he doesn't have anybody, like, you know, with Levine not there, you could say, like, okay, well, Levine's getting a lot. I mean, he's his, his backcourt, he's got Desunmu starting with him and Caruso starting with him and Pat Williams starting with him. Those I, mean, are, I mean, those are some solid players. I get it, like, but you if know, you're trying I, to take... Io's a really good player. Kind of fun. Oh, I love Io. Yeah, Io's so good. But kind of fun to have all those little dudes playing. Because even when they come off the bench, they come off with Dragic and they come up with Kobe White. Like, it's really oh, yeah. some old school Villanova stuff <laughs> where they would just throw out four or five guards at you at a time. Uh, and be able to pull it off with man. Opening night, I just I, I had like deja vu with the whole. My God, Demar Derozan! <laughs> like how are you towards your people? You think Derozan, Brandon Ingram, some guys like that, even Harden now integrating the mid range. Harden took more mid range jumpers yeah. in his second game with the Sixers than he has since at least twenty seventeen. And I'm going to try to find the data to see if that's true for his entire career. But since at least 2017, Harden took more mid-range jumpers than he has ever over that time span. And game two, exploiting the mid-range a little bit. Yeah, it's it's stop him at the rim and it's run him off the three-point line. Yeah. And so so the player, it's the star players who still utilize the mid-range. I wonder if we could see an uptick for... So it's like it gets early, but if you're seeing Harden take more mid range of all people, yeah, I think you see a lot more floaters too. 
Yeah. Just a pull up quick, not necessarily what you would consider mid range, but you do see. Yeah, like in the paint. Yeah. Yes. And I think that, and that might have to do with the foul changes, with the way they've changed how they call it on drive. And just a lot of drop coverage. So you guys yeah. just stopping before they get to the defender. They don't get all the way to the rim, but they just try to master this little five, six foot shot. Because there are a lot of teams that have, you know, rim deterrence now. Not all, but those teams suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's been fun watching all these teams. You know, we talked about the Celtics Heat it's tonight, which is a rematch of that Jimmy Butler shot game. Oh, that was uh, crazy. Jazz T-Wolves, so it's going to be Gobert versus his former team. Nuggets Warriors. Really good. I mean, Nuggets were not good on the opener versus Utah. They were not. They were not. But they got some really good games going on. And then I know you're going to be locked in Spurs Pacers. And you got Memphis Houston tonight, right? You get to see Jalen Green, Alperin Shenyer, Jabari Smith taking 11 three pointers in the opener for the Rockets. I won't be there. That'll be Houston's home opener, I believe. Yeah, because yeah, they played their first game on the road. They played, yeah, yep. they played Atlanta. Yeah, that's on the road for you. Yep. So it'll be, uh, yeah, Grizzlies-Houston. And, of course, we got Pacers-Spurs. That's what I said. I, I know. know. I'm not, I know. I know. I know. I, your phone's going to be off. Do not contact well, Kevin here's tonight. The thing. There's, there's only three 4 o'clock Pacific games. Pelicans, Hornets, Spurs-Pacers, Bulls-Wizards. I'll have your beloved Pe- no, on. your beloved Pelicans. You're not missing that. Well, I'm not going to miss that. You're right. They I are know. my beloved Pelicans. And that's why I said they're going to drop 180 on the Hornets, and you're going to be like, I told you. Well, the Hornets <laughs> won by what? 25, 20, 27 in their opener against the Spurs. Can you explain to me? Uh, forgive me for not paying enough attention to the to the Hornets news. So this is going to be a very surface level opinion. I know the peanut galleries out there like, yeah, that's like all your opinions. <laughs> Service level opinions. <laughs> How the hell on my Twitter feed did I see a picture of James Booknight passed out with a bag of Doritos and a Glock? And then that night, see him in the game. I mean, he didn't make any shots. How the hell was he playing? Like, they didn't suspend him or nothing? <laughs> I mean, like, like, damn, bro, <laughs> a friggin' Dorito bag and a Glock. It's, I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look into it enough. I, I, I presupposed that that, that was a recent photograph from the recent DWI, but it was crazy. I'm like, wait, he's playing. Why is James Book Night in the rotation? This is why. Jesus. I don't know. I, sh- I shouldn't be laughing, but <laughs> is that crazy? Have you seen the yeah, picture? I, I did. Yeah, though it's TMZ posted it. Right? How does TMZ get all this stuff? My man is passed out is with Doritos crazy? and a Glock, and he's like just in the lineup. <laughs> I don't understand. I guess I don't know. All you, all you want is consistency, right, Chris? I I just I mean, I feel so bad for everybody in Charlotte. What a friggin'. Off season, that's been God, horrible. I hope James Booknight can can get right. Yeah, that's for sure. And he played too. So I said, yeah, no, I was saying he like, didn't make any like shots. It's, but it's, it's, it's not just like he was on the bench, but he like he got he got he got minutes. 
Like, what pitcher can go up of you during the day? They say, you know what? It might be better for you to not play tonight. That's crazy. That's crazy. I can't stand Steve Clifford. I know you can't. Playing Plumley and Richards. Let's let's see the kid. Let's let's see some rookies out there. Mark Williams. Yeah, I want to see some Mark Williams. They let's won the game, Kevin. You're mad. I know, at- they, I, I know they did. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know they won the game. I want to see Mark Williams. They won Mason- because of the brilliance of Steve Clifford. Yeah, the brilliance of playing Nick Richards off the bench. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Richards is, is his. Is his new Kim Birch? That's what it is. Oh, and so Mark uh, Williams is going to yeah. be your new Mo Bamba? Yes, yeah. maybe. <laughs> I loved Mark Williams college. I did. They they just have the wrong coach for their situation. That's all. Their situation, like I mean, you you might as well be their coach. They're going to suck. It doesn't matter. Seriously, you know who I really like on that team, Terry Rozier. I've loved him for. A long time now. Who doesn't? Like, with what he turned into in Boston, but then like, but then like in Charlotte, like Boston, he was just like a good role player. But then in Charlotte, like this dude's a bucket getter. Yep. 40, 40% from three, 20 plus points per game. I mean, he's a damn good player. Bill Simmons mentioned on the pod we did this week, you know, like for the case of the Lakers waiting, yep. waiting for potential trades. Rozier's a guy that I'd want. For okay. Us. I love when that guy yells it. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's so good. Terry Rozier! <laughs> I love it. All right, Kevin, it's been a super fun uh, first couple of days of the NBA season. We're going to be have games and drama to talk about uh, throughout the whole season long. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez. Kev, I will talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. 